was that guy? Maybe we'll find out about him at another time, but right now what I want to do is move forward with our series, and I want to say good morning, Grumlaw, good morning, Venture, good morning, those of you who connect with us on our online campus. I am so glad that you're connecting with us today. Uh, I would say that most of us love to hear transformational stories. And better yet, when we're part of a transformational story, that's even better. I think myself of last weekend on Sunday, I wasn't with you. I was actually running in a Hope Water International event. And that event, let me explain, is where Many of us, we walk, we run, we're part of half marathons, full marathons. Some people, most people run them, some people walk, run them, it doesn't matter. But we're all there for a cause. And the cause is this, is to raise money so that we can install wells in Kenya, Africa with the Pokot people. We do it for that reason so they can have sustainable water. And what happens is we get connected with God, we get connected with Christ, we get connected with each other, we form community because we condition and we work out together, but we also know that as a result of a well going 8,000 miles away, that well being installed, guess what? They create community and then we have a community in the body of Christ and what is incredible about this is wherever we put a well we put in a church are you catching the seas that are going on here and for those of us last weekend who put in half marathons and marathons I'm adding a C we run for another reason it's the chocolate at the end of the race because after you've run a half marathon or a full marathon, guess what? You can have chocolate. And today, we're going to really investigate and look at another transformational story that brought about change in an individual's life. And it's found in John 4, 1 through 30. Now, that's coming up on the screen right here, right now. And I'm going to ask you to do something when you spend time with Jesus this week. I want you to read this passage of scripture. Maybe not just once, but what's going to happen is there's going to be insights that are going to come up as a result of you hearing this talk today, being part of this experience today, this service today, and God's going to speak to you if you continue to digest this, if you continue to meditate on it. And so would you make a commitment, I can't see your hands right now, to read John 4, 1 through 30, and then you'll even see how it progresses. But before we see what is in this story right now, uh, I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray that God, well, I, I, I don't want to pray that God will be here because he is. We've already prayed for that. What I want to pray is that we'll be open to what he wants to say to us. And so prayer is just communication with God, so let's pray now. Father God, uh, I pray right now that you would guide me. May my demeanor, may my gestures, may my tone, may the words that you've given me to share, may they be in sync with you. And Father God, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, I pray right now that 
not only would you guide those that are going to be hearing what's going to be shared, but that all of us will be obedient to what you're saying to us. And Father God, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we're open to what you're going to say, and we want to take the steps to draw closer to you so we can see more people come into a meaningful relationship with you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we have is this story in John 4 where literally Jesus meets with a Samaritan woman at a well. And this woman is obviously feeling a little uncomfortable because she goes to the well at high noon. She goes when it's the hottest part of the day and down deep, I believe that's because she wanted to literally go when she could avoid people. Maybe she had things to hide. Maybe she was embarrassed of things. But it was kind of unusual to go for water. Uh, I already referenced the Pocot people in Kenya, Africa, that we provide uh, wells for. Those people go early in the morning for water or later on in the afternoon, not at high noon. And this woman, this Samaritan woman, meets an individual by the name of Jesus. And Jesus and her have an incredible, incredible conversation. And this woman, her mind was blown in a lot of ways because this man treated her in a different way, with respect and with dignity. He asked questions in ways that other men had never asked, or for that matter, other people. He was thought provocative and caused her to think. And at one point, Jesus literally says, and we're going to get into with what he said to her, he, he says, go and tell your husband what I've shared with you. And she says this, I don't have a husband. And Jesus with love intently looks at her right in the eyes and says this, that's right, you've had five husbands and the man that you're living with right now is not even your husband. So this was a back and forth conversation that caused an incredible, incredible change in this woman's life. And today I want to share several steps that Jesus took with this woman that are applicable to us as followers of Jesus in allowing us to experience God's Spirit working in and through us. Because you see, as a follower of Jesus, we're never meant to sit idle and not to be moving forward. The Christian life is one of momentum. It's one of growth. It's one of stepping forward. It's one of leaning in. And I use that word steps because steps involve motion. And maybe for some of you, this will be the idea of going from neutral into forward. Maybe some of you are living in the past and God wants you to live in the present and what he, ha he has in store for the future. 
when, when we talk about faith in Jesus and walking with Jesus and what he has to share with us in this story, it's the idea of we're not a spectator, we're not in the bleachers, we're not in the stands, we're on the field and we're playing. And the Christian faith and walking with Jesus is not a country club mentality where I pay my dues, I go to church, and now I expect to receive. No. It's the idea that we live like Jesus with the steps that Jesus took to serve and to share. And that's very consistent with our uh, purpose here as a church in Grand Blanc, in Heartland, with you, is that we help all people take their next step with Jesus. And I pray, and our leadership prays, and our staff prays, that if there's any of you who, who do not have a personal commitment and faith walk with Jesus, that today you'll acknowledge your sinfulness, you'll acknowledge your separation from God, and you'll humbly ask Him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins and to choose to live for Him from this day on. And for those of you who you talk about Jesus and you say that Jesus is your Savior, He's more than a Savior. He's life. He's our Lord. And maybe you've been in an apathetic state and it's time to take that next step, particularly with what we're dealing with today, and then feel the empowerment of God working in your life. And then some of you, you're all in, you're sensing the spirit of God, you're sensing the power of God, and God is gonna reveal something to you today that maybe you weren't aware of, of how you can take a next step with him. It's gonna be an incredible, incredible morning. Or maybe you're listening to this uh, online on another date. I don't know, maybe you're in the upper part of Michigan or you're not even in the state of Michigan and you're listening to this right now. God wants to speak to you and we've already prayed that we would be open to what he's saying. And I know you're going to be. I know that you are right now. Step number one that Jesus did was this. Jesus went where others wouldn't go. John 4.9 in the first part literally says this. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus went where others wouldn't go. Jesus lived out what he empowers us to do. Living with Christ, living in Christ, allowing Christ Jesus to live in us is not a to-do list, a checklist. It's the fact that God himself, the Holy Spirit, fills us. We become a new creation. And as a result of that, he empowers us to use the gifts, the talents, the energy that he's given us to fulfill his purpose and to advance the kingdom of God. I've already said that the, the Christian faith is one of momentum. It's leaning in. It's not sinking back. Jesus said just before he went back up to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit. And you notice when I prayed, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. Jesus, before he went to heaven, said this. Go. Go. And make disciples. And this involves trust. And this involves faith. And this involves 
being uncomfortable. When I was growing up, um, I lived in a suburb of Detroit, and uh, if it wasn't said, it was inferred that you didn't go across eight mile. You didn't go into Detroit. That was another culture. I remember, and I'm having flashbacks of back when the riots were in the 60s with some of the racial tensions that we have today. I remember it vividly. My father was a fireman and he literally had to lay face down on the back of a fire truck with National Guard protecting him. You didn't go to Detroit, but yet God calls us to go to places. There are people today, uh, just this weekend we, we had a trip go to Detroit, and I'm, I'm so proud of those who go and they serve, but there's some people who literally still say to me, is it safe to go to Detroit? Is it safe to go to Flint? No, God will protect us if God leads us and if we obey. I mean, when, when, I, I mentioned Flint already. I mentioned Flint. And who would start today, and for those of you who know Flint, it's the one with the water crisis. It's, it's not a prosperous community in a lot of ways. Who would ever start a church in Flint? Who would ever take a new initiative in Flint? Well, don't tell that to Leo Robinson II because he, last weekend, started a church in Flint with support of Grumlaw Venture, this church. And you know what I'm excited about? He's spoken on our stage before. He's part of our staff. Jason, Jason in February is going to start a church up in a similar area in a community that five years ago he would have never thought about starting a church. Why do we do that? See, like I jump, we do that because God propels us and he empowers us to go to places that others may not go. So let me ask you this. Where, where is God leading you? Maybe you've never asked that question before. Maybe you're asking that question and you're fearful to do what God is prompting to you to do, but he will empower you and he will fill you. We're coming up into the holiday season. Is, is there a family gathering that you have stayed away from because you didn't want to face some people, some situations, and because of who you are in Christ right now, you need to cross that barrier, make those reservations, do something that you may feel uncomfortable, but knowing that God's prompting you to do it. How, how about this? Uh, amidst the pandemic right now that we're dealing with, there's job insecurity. It's, it's unstable. Could it be that God is going to use this moment to lead you to another job where, where you can be used better by God to advance his kingdom? Or how about the next time that we have a trip to Flint or to Detroit or maybe when we go to Nepal in the next little bit or maybe when we go to dedicate another well in another church in Africa rather than saying, I'm not going to do that. There's, there's too many bridges to cross. Uh, I'm scared. No, no. Jesus 
gave us the example that he went into a community that other people did not go, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But before I explain that, step number two is this. Jesus spoke with some others would not speak to. Look what it says in John 4, 9, uh, the second part. And by the way, you're going to be reading this. You're going to be reading this. Well, that sound, I'm hopeful that you will read this. She said, that woman at the well, that Samaritan woman, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Here's an insight into Jesus. And here's an insight for us. Jesus was always looking to create conversations with people who had questions, were hopeless, or maybe needed some encouragement. In this situation, which goes back to what I referred to, because some of you may be saying, what was the big deal about Samaria? Jewish religious leaders did not travel to Samaria. Samaria was filled with half-breeds. There had been intermarrying going on. Men did not speak to women in public, let alone a guy who has religious authority, is speaking different than other people spoke, that's Jesus. He comes up to a woman in broad daylight at high noon, talks to a woman who is a Samaritan, a half-breed, and says, will you give me something to drink? And wants to use the same utensil that the woman uses to drink. That would be like walking up to someone who you know has COVID and says, can I use your utensils? Jesus here was breaking every accepted prejudice and he was breaking it down. He was breaking down cultural barriers. He was breaking down geographical lines. He was breaking down what some people said was right and wrong and he said, there's a new playing field here. There's a guy that um, I haven't been in contact for years. His, we called him always Bo. And Bo, when he was in high school, uh, and I was a campus life leader, uh, Bo was um, a, an athlete. He, in fact, he was voted the most uh, outstanding athlete. But the thing about Bo was this. He wasn't just a jock. He just wasn't an athlete. That isn't just who he hung around with. Back then, he, hang, he hung around the preps. He, hang around, he hung around the intellectuals. He hung around the, uh, those that were in the bands. He had an unbelievable ability because of the transformational changes that were happening in him because of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He crossed cultural lines. He just didn't sit with the jocks. He just didn't sit with the popular people of which he was popular. He always went beyond where he could have gone and made conversation. As followers of Jesus, we should be willing to share the gospel, the good news Jesus, anytime, 
in anywhere. Just recently, I was traveling with my wife and my wife got into an incredible conversation with a Muslim. And she found in a very relational, conversational way, just like Jesus, to talk about Jesus. We should be willing anytime, anywhere to talk about Jesus just like Jesus. There's an individual, he's my hero, his name's Clayton. And uh, Clayton is no longer with us. He went to be with the Lord. But when he was a school administrator, a principal, in predominantly a Jewish high school, him being a follower of Jesus and being in a Jewish high school, there would be those that would say that wasn't a good mix. Clayton took that as an opportunity in respectful ways to talk about Jesus. Uh, in, in the educational system today, oh, there's you can and you can't say this, but Clayton always figured out a way to share his personal testimony, his personal transformation with students, with parents, with staff, with administrators. Clayton was willing to spend time with people cross, crossing cultural barriers, maybe religious barriers, and he spoke with people that maybe other people didn't feel comfortable speaking with. You see these steps? Do you, do you see as followers of Jesus what happens in our lives? God may be calling us to go where he hasn't called others to go. God wants us to speak with people that other people may shun away from. And step number three, Jesus spoke truth with hope. Does it, don't, don't people need hope today? Let, let me go into the story a little bit more and see how Jesus provided truth and hope to this woman at the well and he shared everlasting words. John 4.10 says this, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Here, here, here's the key. Jesus wanted this woman to know that while she was living on this earth, she could live an abundant life, which is later described in the book of John. And maybe some of you will take that initiative. You'll read John 4 and go, that's so good. Read John 5 and then you'll maybe even get to John 10 where it talks about the abundant life. As followers of Jesus, we should be concerned about where people are at today and how the life-breathing words of Jesus can give them hope for today. So Jesus is interested in our everyday life, in our eternal life, but I want to go back and reference something that I spoke about earlier in the talk when Jesus said to this woman, this Samaritan woman at the well, about her husbands. Let's go back and look at it. Jesus said to her, go tell your husband. She said, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Why am I referencing that again? For this reason, Jesus didn't share 
what people wanted to hear, but he shared what they needed to know. This is going to advance our, and notice I've used the word many times, our conversations with people. We talk with people about our kids. We talk about the hottest deal at Amazon. We talk about where we can get the next coffee at the next coffee shop, the best deal. But do we have the conversations that really will make a difference in someone's life. And I'm not saying we're always preaching, never pointing a finger. I'm just saying that Jesus created opportunities with people to get into meaningful conversations. And with every individual, there is a void that only God, only Jesus can fill. I mean, you talk to any addict, anybody who's hooked on drugs, anyone who is hooked on alcohol, anyone who is hooked on sex, anyone who is hooked on pornography, they're taking something to fill a void, a crack, an emptiness that only God can fill. One of my best friends who works in an addiction recovery uh, like seminars and one-on-one -on -one with people and in group settings, he himself will tell you that he was always trying to fill his life with something that only God and Jesus can fill. And listen to this. Sooner or later, in life's conversations, people will show you where their hope is. It's maybe in themselves self-help, some philosophy that they've picked up, or maybe even in religion. And notice, Jesus never propagated to this woman religion, but it was about a relationship, an eternal, everyday, ongoing relationship with God. And whenever you have someone who's filled with religion and they're talking about their future and where they're going to go, and what does eternity mean? And they say, I hope so. Then they've never had a real transformative conversation, connection with Jesus. Because when you and I know Jesus, there is no hope so. There's an assuredness. There's a confidence. And to people we can never preach and never point a finger. We need to keep it personal. But we cannot claim to be the answer. But if we believe in Jesus, we can claim to know the answer. We have an opportunity to share the good news, the gospel, Jesus, with people. And if you want to sense power in this pandemic, if you want to, if you want to sense power when even you're wearing a mask, then will you do something beyond reading John 4? Would you memorize Romans 1.16? Because look what it says. I am not ashamed of the good news. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of Jesus. Oh no, it's all about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile 
and also the Samaritans and also whatever you've done and you don't feel you're worthy. And there are a lot of people who feel unworthy, worthless, and don't have a purpose, but God has a purpose for them. Just recently, I was asked to do a funeral. I did not know the individual who died. I knew no one in the family, and my first attitude was, they need to get someone else. And then I was preparing for this talk. And I said, well, what am I going to talk about when I don't know the deceased? What, what am I going to talk about when I don't know their mate? What am I going to talk about when I don't know their children? What? And I said, the power will come, the healing will come, the hope will come, the comfort will come, the strength will come if I just talk about Jesus. And others spoke, and there was music, and I just spoke on the I am's of God. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine, and we are the branches, and I just pointed people to Jesus. If, if, if you have an opportunity to share that message this week, in the next couple of days, and you will if you look for it, God will empower you because there is power that comes not from yourself, but from God. Now, Jesus shared who he was and how a person could have eternal life, but he also spoke truth into that woman and said, no, you have, you have five husbands and you're not even married to the one that you're living with right now. I remember years ago, uh, a guy that I respect, uh, he was a big figure to me as a person. He was a big figure to me as a personality. I don't mean overweight. I mean, he was larger than life. And a very good friend of his came in and said, hey, can I talk to you? And they, they sat down and my buddy's name was Al. And this friend, I don't know what his name was. He was a good friend of Al's and Al was my good friend. And the guy said to Al, I want you to know that your assistant your female assistant is in love with you. And I believe that you should release her because this is going to create issues for you and for her family. And rather than getting defensive and saying it wasn't going to happen, nothing would happen, he released his assistant. Wow. Remember, Jesus speaks truth with hope and with love. Uh, I don't get this call often, but I call it the call when I've had it before. We as followers of Jesus have a responsibility to speak the truth with love. Not what culture wants, but what Christ wants. For me, the call is this, is when, and I'll give you the one that happened most recently, it was the latest one where it happened. A woman called on the phone. I could tell by the way she was speaking and that she wanted to address me that something was wrong. And she said, my son and his girlfriend, his girlfriend is pregnant and they want to have an abortion. What, 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 what do I tell them? Do I, in my mind, tell them, well, that's their choice? No. 
Because we believe in Jesus, who is the author of life, because we believe in Jesus, who intricately makes a baby when it's in the womb, I said to that woman, you tell them that abortion is not an option. You tell them that there are people that will take that child. You tell them that there are groups that will come around them. And I'm happy to tell you that that mother went back to her son and now it's her daughter-in-law and they're so thankful that they didn't make that choice. Some of you would say, well, I don't have any right to say that. We have every right to defend eternal life, to defend the good news, to defend who Jesus is, who to, to, to defend the gospel, and the gospel is the gospel. The gospel brings life. And so I have some questions for you. Question number one is, will you ask this question, God, where do you want me to go? For some of you, that is a brand new question. For some of you, you've prayed that question, you've asked that question, you've prayed that, and guess what? God's given you an answer and you've been disobedient and you haven't been moving forward. Another step which ties in with the question would be, God, who do you want me to start a conversation with this week? Who do you want me to invest in so that I have an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. And then another question and a big step is, where do I need to speak truth? Where do I need to bring in hope? Where do I need to have that tough conversation to not go the way of culture, but to go the way of Christ? Or let me summarize all of those questions for those of you right now that you're going, that's too much, that's too much to think about, let me bring it down in the funnel right now and ask you this, who's your one? Who is the one person in your life that you know does not know Jesus, they don't have hope, they don't have purpose, and every day you're praying for them that they might know Jesus? And you're praying for opportunities to get into conversation to share with them the good news, the gospel, and Jesus. Who's your one? And you'll notice, we I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now, later on, to please take this down, take a picture of this, and would you go and let us know who your one is? 1 Peter 3.15 says this. Instead, by the way, how do we worship Christ? We worship Christ as Lord of our life by if anyone asks us about our faith, our hope, our peace, our stability as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Jesus, on this day, his one was a Samaritan woman at a well. Who is your one? For those of you from Grumlaw who have never been to our campus over here, we have a huge stage. And underneath the black uh, boards that are there now are names of individuals who when we built this church, 
We had people come up and say, who are people who are far from God? Who are people who are hopeless? Who are people who don't know Jesus? Would you write down their name? Would you pray for them? And regularly, regularly, we hear people say, my one on the stage now knows Jesus. My one who is hopeless now has hope. They have Christ. Who is your one? Would you please write down your one and know that you can go places others don't go. You can speak to those who others may not speak with. And you can, in fact, provide hope and truth to people because of Jesus. Let me pray. Father God.